in the last uh, handful of weeks talking about who is Jesus from, from the gospel of John and something to kind of think about is what would change in your life? What do you think would change in your life if Jesus was kind of physically present in your day? And if you could just kind of invite Jesus over to your house, or you could have him come to your job with you, or you could, whatever that is, what, what would change? And sometimes, maybe some of you have thought about this, so you just go, man, if Jesus was actually here, I wouldn't struggle with doubt anymore. Maybe there's certain types of things that you wonder about, or you doubt, or you are confused about, and you go, man, if Jesus was actually here, he could sit down, he could explain what he actually meant to me, he could help me understand, or... Or maybe there's somebody in your life that you think, man, if, if Jesus was here, if, he, if I could actually introduce him to this friend and I could say, hey, I want you to talk with Jesus, my friend would, my friend would understand what Jesus is like. My friend would understand who Jesus is. Or maybe he would fix them, right? Maybe you have a friend or a spouse. You're like, man, if Jesus could just tell them to change, then they would do it. I can't, but Jesus could. Jesus would just tell my boss that I needed a raise. My boss would listen, or Jesus would, like, turn him into a frog or something, right? You go, man, if Jesus, that was a joke, you're like, yes, Jesus wouldn't turn them into a frog, okay? But you go, man, if, if Jesus was actually present, man, what could actually happen? And sometimes we think like that. I think about that. Man, if I actually had Jesus right here, I would sit down, he would preach, that'd make my job easier if I just had Jesus here, right? And the disciples who were with Jesus for several years and hung out with him for a long time, they had that. Everything that we think about of explaining, teaching to them, or, or actually doing miracles, or people that doubted and didn't believe, they had Jesus physically present, but they know that he's about to leave. They know that they're actually about to be in kind of the situation that we're in of going, if Jesus was here, this could happen or this could happen. And they're worried about that because they have had him present. They've had him teach them things and explain to them things. They've had him do miracles. They've had him start this uh, movement of people that are beginning to go, what does life in God's, God's kingdom look like? They've had all of that. And now they know he's going to leave because he's telling them, and we've looked at the last couple weeks, as he's kind of having this final conversation and this final meal with them, he's telling them, I'm going to leave. So they've had this great experience with Jesus, and now they're about to lose it. They're about to kind of be, in some ways, where we are, where we go, okay, so yeah, if Jesus was here, this would be great. We can read the Bible and see all these amazing things that Jesus has done, but what about now? What about now in doubts and struggles and when we're trying to love people and we're trying to help people and we're trying to, we're trying to do what Jesus tells What about now? And so this is a passage looking at that. And here's what's crazy. Jesus says it's better for us that he's gone. That's weird, right? I mean, you probably wouldn't say to somebody, you know what? It's really good that Jesus isn't here. But that's what Jesus says. He says, it's to your advantage that I'm going to leave. And I'm sure when they heard that, just the same that we don't have it and go, well, I don't think so. They had it. And he says, I'm going to leave. And he says, it's to your advantage. In this chapter, Jesus explains why that's the case and what that means for our lives. Okay, so let's look at this chapter 16. And uh, we'll read the first part of this and then come back to the last parts. And here's what he says. 
And, he's, and this, this has really been one big conversation in chapter 14 and chapter 15, or actually starting in chapter 13. It's kind of been one big conversation, his last conversation with them. And he says this, kind of referring to some of the previous things he said, I did not say these things to you from the beginning because I was with you, but now I am going to him, talking about God, who sent me, and none of you asks me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. So he knows they're sad because he's leaving. They're sad because he's taking off, okay? He knows that sorrow has filled their heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It's to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper who will not, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And he's talked about the helper before. The helper is the Holy Spirit. And when he comes, and so here's what he will do when the, when the helper comes, when the Holy Spirit comes. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. Concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world, talking about Satan, is judged. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own authority... But whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore, I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. So Jesus says, it's to their advantage if he leaves. He says, it's to your advantage that I'm going to go away. I know you're sad that I'm leaving. I know you're sorrowful that I'm leaving, but it's actually to your benefit. It's actually to your advantage because I will send to you a helper if I, if I leave. If I go, I'll give you a helper, and so that will be better for you. And so what does he mean? How does he help us? He says he will send this helper, the Holy Spirit. And he's actually mentioned this um, the last, in, in the last three chapters that we've looked at. But we'll talk a little bit more about this tonight. How does he help us? Jesus says it's to our advantage if he leaves because he'll give us the Holy Spirit. He'll give us the helper. But how is it that he helps? How is it helpful? And let's start with this. How do you often think about the Holy Spirit? If you were to to go, man, here's here's the Holy Spirit. Here's what he's like. For those, if if you're not a Christian or you're not sure what you believe, or you haven't been to church in a while, maybe you're not even sure, but... Uh, For those of you that are Christians and you've been around the church for a while and you go, okay, yeah, the Holy Spirit, how do you think of him? What's the image that comes to your mind? What's the work that he does that that comes to your mind? And if you Google it, this is what uh, the top image for Holy Spirit is, right? Some sort of dove. Some dove that kind of, this dove looks a little more like a pigeon, but this is a sad dove, but he this is, this is the main image that comes up if you do Google image search of the Holy Spirit. Something like this, where it's this dove, it's this light, it's kind of this, just this calming, peace, presence type thing, right? Or something like this is the other image, a person and a dove. So if we think about the Holy Spirit, a lot of times you go, okay, he's kind of into feelings, and he makes us feel light and, and uh, you know, feathery and dovey, and, you know, he... He just, he just kind of, he's, I don't know, maybe he's a little bit of a hippie that just, he's, he's really disorganized and he's just kind of like, man, just go with the Holy Spirit and whatever you feel. And that's kind of how a lot of times we envision the Holy Spirit. And that's a lot of the, the, if you talk to people about 
oh, the spirit, and I want to go with the spirit, and, and these images. But what does Jesus say when he talks about the Holy Spirit? Jesus says he's a helper. And he says he's a helper, and he's talking particularly in this chapter and the couple chapters before, he's talking that he is a helper for Jesus' mission. So Jesus is saying, look, I know you're sad because I'm going to leave. And a lot of the reason they're sad is because they've been with Jesus and they've been doing these things. And now they're worried, how are we actually going to keep doing what Jesus has told us to do? Jesus is saying, you're going to be in the world and there's going to be a bunch of drama, but I want you to keep going out. I want you to keep helping people and loving people and telling people about me. And they're like, how are we going to do that? Jesus says, I'm going to give you a helper. It's okay. I'm going to give you a helper. And the word that he uses for helper is the word advocate, which is a word that means a lawyer. So instead of this, this should be more what we think of when we think of the Holy Spirit. And I said this a couple weeks ago, that it's Father, Son, and Holy Lawyer. And that's not something we usually think of. But the Holy Spirit is, is a lawyer. He's some, what does that mean? It means he's trying to win the case. He's trying to bring justice. He's trying to, he's trying to have the case about Jesus settled. He's trying to come and say, I need to win the mission. And I'm here, I mean, we talked about this a couple weeks ago. When you are in really dire straits, you call a lawyer, right? If you are in criminal issues, if you got in a horrible accident, you call the ad on the side of the bus, you know, one eight eight eight, whatever it is, guy in a cheesy suit. That's what you call, right? You need help. You call a lawyer. And Jesus says, I'm going to leave, but I'm going to send to you a defender, an advocate, somebody that will bring the case, somebody that will bring justice, somebody that will help you on your mission, somebody that will help you on Jesus' mission. He's saying you're not alone, you're not alone, and I'm going to give to you somebody that will help you actually accomplish what I've sent you to do. The word is paraclete. That's the word, which doesn't mean cozy feelings. It doesn't mean disorganized guy. It means a advocate, a lawyer. And actually, it's interesting if you Google paraclete and search for that, somebody, and I don't know if this is a Christian company or what, but this is what comes up for Google Images. This is paraclete. So someone started a, like, military uh, vest slash armor company called Paraclete to say, there's a mission, but we can help you. There's a mission that you're on, but we can defend you. And this is a real company. It's not like a joke. It's, you can actually buy this stuff. It's $6,376 on sale for the whole Paraclete Special Tactics Armor Kit. This is what we're giving the fathers for Father's Day. So, sorry moms, you got some chocolate, but um, we need to take up an offering, actually, so we can give the dad. <laughs> but it's crazy. I mean, this is a real, this is what paraclete is. This, and they get it right. Paraclete is this help that you need for the mission, this help that you need to accomplish what Jesus has sent to do. That's what the Holy Spirit is. All, almost every single time that the Holy Spirit is mentioned in the Bible, He's mentioned as somebody that comes with power to accomplish what God has sent people to do. He's mentioned as someone that comes to help what Jesus has sent people to do. So even in the Old Testament, you see uh, before, well, I'm going to skip that. I can't go into a big Bible lesson. But what happens is Jesus says, the helper will come. The helper will come. The Holy Spirit will come. And he's not a dove. He's a lawyer. The Holy Spirit will come and he will help you on the mission that Jesus has given to you. Okay, but how does he help us? Let me, let me explain, because Jesus says what that help 
actually is. And he says that he will help by bringing conviction, which is something a lawyer tries to do, right? He will help by, by bringing conviction, by bringing truth. That's how he'll help. And Jesus mentions three different things of that conviction that he's trying to bring, that truth that he's trying to bring. And the first Jesus says is that he will convict the world concerning sin. He'll convict the world concerning sin, and particularly not just sin in general, but sin of unbelief. And here's what Jesus is saying. The biggest issue that we have, the biggest sin problem that we have is we don't know him and trust him. We don't know him and trust him. We put our trust in other things. We believe in other things. We look to other things as the source of life and the source of fulfillment. We put our satisfaction and our hope and, and whatever in other things. And Jesus says the Holy Spirit will come to bring conviction concerning sin of unbelief. And so that can be that people that do not know him and people that know him, that our core sin issue, the core sin issue we have is we don't believe who Jesus is. That's why John writes the whole book, he says. He writes the book that we would know who Jesus is, that we would believe in him, which doesn't just mean believe he exists, but have life in his name, John says. Which means we go, I don't believe Jesus is actually powerful, and so I'm stressed and I'm anxious about my life. I don't believe Jesus is actually loving, so I seek out love from others to fulfill me. It means I don't believe that, that Jesus is somebody that's wise and knows how things should be ordered, that he's a good king, so, so I'm really stressed and trying to control everything and manage everything. All sorts of different things. We don't believe he's good. We don't believe, and Jesus says the Holy Spirit will come, and one of the ways he will help is he will bring conviction that there's sin in our hearts, that we don't believe him. We don't trust him. We don't think he's good. Jesus says this is one of the ways that he will help. His job is to say, Jesus is better. If you really want to just sum it up, the, how, how does he help us? The Holy Spirit's job, Jesus says, is to glorify Jesus, which is to say, Jesus is better. The Holy Spirit is continually trying to help you in your life by saying, Jesus is better. He's better. Jesus is good. Jesus is gracious. Jesus loves you. Jesus cares for you. Jesus is wise. You can trust him. That's what the Holy Spirit is always doing, is saying, look at Jesus. So he convicts of sin, and he convicts of righteousness. He convicts of righteousness, which, which means this. It means that one of the things Jesus was always doing when he was in his ministry was particularly with the religious leaders, he was confronting them, telling them, your righteousness isn't enough. Because the religious leaders, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they thought that they were really good people. They thought they were really moral people, and they followed all the laws, and they even invented new laws to make sure they didn't break those laws, and they invented newer laws to make sure they didn't break the laws that were made to not break the laws. And they looked at themselves and thought, we see, we've got it all together we are good, and we don't want to be around anyone that's bad, and, and we've got it. And Jesus was always coming up to them and confronting them and showing them, you think you're righteous, but you're not righteous. You think that you stand before God pure and holy because of what you do, and you don't. Jesus was confronting them continually on their righteousness. And Jesus says, one of the things the Holy Spirit will do when I leave is he will come and he will convict of righteousness, which means this, he'll come and he'll show us all the ways 
that we try to save ourselves. All the ways that we say, this is how I know I'm a good person, because I'm a good mother, because I'm a good father, because I'm a good employee, because I believe the right things, because I think the right things, because I act in the right ways, I know I'm good. I'm not like those people. Who are, in your mind, those people? Who do you roll your eyes at? Who do you go, I'm thankful I'm not like them? We all have people like that that we compare ourselves to. Man, I can't believe they would raise their kids like that. Man, I can't believe they would handle their money like that. Man, I can't believe that they would handle their time like that. Man, I can't believe that they think that. And what that does is make us go, but I, I do it right. I do it right, so I'm okay. I know I'm okay because I do it right. And Jesus says, no, that's not what makes you right. Anything that you use to set yourself up and go, this is how I know I'm okay. Jesus says one of the things the Holy Spirit does is convict us that that righteousness is nothing. That it actually isn't enough to make you okay. And sometimes we, we actually are really good at the things that we choose. So maybe you go, man, I'm, I know I'm okay because I'm a hard worker. I know I'm okay. And you are a hard worker. And so you feel really good about yourself. But some people, the thing that they have chosen for whatever reason, family background, experiences, things you've read or heard, things you go, man, I know I'm okay if I'm a good, if I'm a good husband, and yet you're doing really bad at being a husband. Then what happens is you, you're, you're just crushed. So you can do a really good job at the thing you pick and you feel great. Or you can do a really bad job at the thing you pick. And you don't look proud and you don't look arrogant. You look really sad and you look like you got uh, you know, low self-esteem and self-pity. And man, I suck. I'm so bad. But really, it's the same thing. You've picked something to be the sense of your righteousness, your okayness. And you're either doing really good at it or you're failing at it. And both of them, the Holy Spirit comes and says this. That's not what makes you righteous. The Holy Spirit comes and says, all of those are ways for you to save yourself, for you to say, here's how I know I'm acceptable. Here's how I know God loves me. Here's how I know other people should respect me. Here's how I know that I should look at my life and be happy about it. And the Holy Spirit says, that's not what makes you okay. You know what makes you okay? Jesus, that Jesus has accepted you that Jesus has loved you, that Jesus has brought you into his family. I love the video we watched and, and the gals were sharing. They said, you're loved and you're forgiven and you're not because of anything you've done, but because of what Jesus has done. And that's what the Holy Spirit's job is to do. See, one of the things that Christians, the more you're listening to the Holy Spirit that you will experience is how self-righteous you are, how much you build up things and go, here's how I know I'm okay. And for some of you, if you're not Christians or unsure what you believe, probably one of the main things that bothers you about Christians is a sense of self-righteousness. This sense of, I'm better than you, and I'm holier than you, and, and the, you, you know what you can say to them? Man, sounds like you need to listen to the Holy Spirit. So even if you don't, you know, even if you don't believe, you can be like, I'm going to pray that the Holy Spirit tells you that you're not righteous, that he convicts you of righteousness. And they'll go, oh, well, at least you read one verse in the Bible. And you go, yes, I did, and I picked a good one. The Holy Spirit shows you. He comes and shows us 
Nothing can make you acceptable before God except for Jesus. Nothing can make your life go, ah, I matter, I'm okay, except for Jesus. Anything else you use will fail you. Or it'll work really, really well and you'll be self-righteous and judgmental. So the Holy Spirit comes to say, Jesus accepts you because of what he's done. And he comes and he says, Jesus says that he convicts concerning judgment. He says he convicts concerning judgment because the ruler of this world is cast out. What Jesus is saying here is this, that Jesus has in, on the cross defeated Satan's work. And one of the things that Satan does is the, Jesus calls him the father of lies, which means all the lies that are in this world, all the false things that people can believe, that we can believe, ultimately have their root in Satan's work. And Jesus doesn't talk about Satan all, all that much, and we don't talk about Satan all that much, but, but he is the father of lies, and he spreads lies and gets us to believe that our judgment is right, that this is what is true, and this is what is good, and this is the right way to live, and this is the right thing to do. And Jesus says one of the things the Holy Spirit will come and do is convict people concerning judgment to help them not live a way of lies, but will come and help them see here. Here's good judgment. Here's the life that is true. So these are what the Holy Spirit does. He convicts concerning sin. He convicts concerning righteousness. He convicts concerning judgment. How does he help? This is what he does. This is the work that the Holy Spirit comes to do. He comes to take the truth of who Jesus is and make it real to us. He comes to take the truth of who Jesus is and make it more real. He comes to say, isn't Jesus better? You don't have to pick something for your righteousness. Jesus is better. You don't have to believe in these things. You can believe in Jesus. You can put trust in him and know how good he is. You don't have to walk this way in this judgment. You can, you can follow Jesus. Isn't Jesus better? That's what the Holy Spirit continually does. This is the Holy Spirit's mission. This is Jesus' mission that he sends the Holy Spirit to do, to make a case to us, like a lawyer, to make a case to us, to show us, to present all the reasons why this truth is real. Because why? Because Jesus wants life for us. He wants joy for us. He wants us to experience life with him. And so the Holy Spirit comes as a helper to say, let me help you see who Jesus is. Let me help you see so this is what the Holy Spirit does. This is how he helps. Maybe it's not the help that you would want. Maybe you go, I want a different kind of help. But what the Holy Spirit comes to do is say, let me show you who Jesus is. And he does that to us, and then he wants to do that through us. He comes to show us who Jesus is and how he's better, and then he wants that to happen through our life because that's his mission. It's for more people to see Jesus. So this is what the Holy Spirit does. Second thing is this. How do we get this help? Because the Holy Spirit comes to say, here's the help I bring. I want to show you how Jesus is better. And you go, okay, that's great. Jesus says, look, it's to your advantage that I would leave. So if you look at your life and you go, and is it really to my advantage that Jesus is gone? Jesus says it is. You know why it's better? Because I'm going to give you the, the helper. I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit, and he's going to do all these different things we just talked about. And what if we had that? Wouldn't that make life better? If, 
if we were always kind of hearing this truth about how amazing Jesus is and how we can trust him and believe in him and he helps lead us into actual truth that we should follow and shows us the ways of life and helps make Jesus' love real to our hearts and makes our acceptability before God real to us. I mean, wouldn't that help be to our advantage? And Jesus says, yes, it would. But how do we get this help? How do we get the help in us so that's more real to us? But how do we get that help through our lives then? Because that's the context here. The context is Jesus is leaving. The disciples are worried because how are they going to continue Jesus' mission? How do we get this help? And here's the next part. It says, a little while, Jesus is talking, a little while and you will see me no longer. And again, a little while and you will see me. So he says, in just a little bit, I'm going to be gone. And then in just a little bit after that, I'm going to be there. So some of his disciples said to one another, what is this that he says to us? A little while and you will not see me, and again a little while and you will see me, and because I'm going to the Father. So they were saying, what does he mean by a little while? We do not know what he's talking about. So if you ever feel like that about Jesus, man, you're in good company. What is he talking about? Jesus knew that they wanted to ask him. So he said to them, is this what you're asking yourselves? What I meant by saying a little while and you will not see me, and again a little while and you will see me? Truly, truly, I say to you, you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. You will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn into joy. So he says, okay, in just a little bit, you're going to be really sad. He's talking about that he's going to die, right? In just a little bit, you're going to be heartbroken, but then it'll come and it'll turn into joy. Then he uses a great Mother's Day analogy, and he says this, when a woman is giving birth, she has sorrow because her hour has come. This is pre-epidural. Because her hour has come. So she's feeling contractions, and she's going, I am sad about what's going to happen. <laughs> but when she has delivered the baby, she no longer remembers the anguish. Some of you maybe will argue with Jesus on that, but for joy that a human being has been born into the world. So also, you have sorrow now, but I will see you again, and your hearts will rejoice, and no one will take your joy from you. So Jesus says, man, it's stuff is leading up to this point, and when it happens, and you're going to be in anguish, and you're going to be heartbroken, you're going to be sad, but joy will come such that you've never experienced. Life will come such that you can't even believe it. In that day, so Jesus is talking about when he dies, and then when he resurrects, in that day, you will ask nothing of me. Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Until now, you have asked nothing in my name, Ask, and you will receive, that your joy may be full. Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. This is what Jesus is talking about, how we get this help. How do we get the help? You know what Jesus says here? And we looked at it, and we're going to talk about it more tonight than we've talked about it in the previous weeks. But Jesus says, the way you get this help is you pray. So you know what the Holy Spirit comes to do? He comes to convict. That's how he helps. He comes to convict, which means to show truth. He comes to say, look, Jesus is better. And we need that. But if we want to ever be a part of what Jesus is doing in the world, we need him to be working that through us. But how do we get that help? How do we get the help that Jesus is talking about? And in chapter 14, and in chapter 15, and now this is chapter 16, Jesus emphasizes over and over and over again in this context 
the way you get this help that the Holy Spirit comes to do is you ask for it. You pray. You ask him to help you. That's how you get it. Jesus has emphasized this repeatedly. Jesus wants to help us. He wants us to get the help that he comes to do. He wants us to see that he's better. He wants that to happen in our lives and through our lives. And over and over and over again, the way Jesus says we get this help is that we ask for it. We pray for it. Look, let me just go back to this. Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Now, let's be real. We don't believe that, right? I mean, do we believe that? I mean, Jesus says in 14 and 15 and 16, whatever you ask, the Father will give it to you. We don't believe that, right? I mean, if we did, how would we be praying? And I'm not saying that to make anybody feel guilty, but just to honestly assess, do we believe that? Jesus is emphasizing it over and over again right before he leaves, that there's all this great help that the Holy Spirit can do in our lives. There's all these great things that he wants to do, and he keeps saying, ask, ask, ask. But if we're just real, we don't believe that, right? I mean, do, how many of us actually live by this statement? Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he'll give it to you. Maybe, maybe that's why we think it would be better if Jesus was here. Go, man, if Jesus was here, he could do this. He could help me in this struggle I have. He could help me with this sin I've got. He could help me with my friend that I'm trying to love and serve and help them to know how good Jesus is. He could help me with... And maybe why we think it'd be better if Jesus was actually here is because we're not actually taking the help that he says he would give. How do we get this help over and over and over again? What Jesus says is we need to ask for it. Now, look, let's just talk about some things around this. Because first of all, Jesus puts conditions on this. It's in a context where he's talking about, I've got a mission and I'm sending you out to do my mission. So he's not just talking about, hey, you want cars? Cars. You want cash? Cash. That's not, Jesus isn't a genie. He's talking in a particular thing about, here's this mission that I have. Here's the work that the Holy Spirit is doing. That's the, that's the three chapters. Jesus is leaving and he's talking to his disciples saying, I've got something for you to do and the Holy Spirit will help you do it. And if you ask him, he'll help you. So that eliminates a whole set of things that are just, oh, I know what I want, Jesus. Let me rub you three times and get this. That's not what Jesus is talking about. So we have to look at the context. But he also says this, you have to let my words abide in you. You have to abide in my love. In chapter 14 and chapter 15, Jesus adds some different conditions to this, saying if you're living in my love, if you're letting my words be living in you, then whatever you ask, I'll do. Okay, so there's, there's different conditions that we eliminate some things, but still we go, okay, so if I'm letting Jesus' words live in me, which means I'm reading the Bible, I'm listening to what he says, and that's becoming such a part of my heart that things I pray are actually flowing from that. And we go, okay, I'm actually living in his love. Jesus says, if you abide in me, if you abide in my love. So if you're living in my love, you're connected to me, then ask whatever you want. Okay. And we go, okay, it's about 
It's about Jesus' mission, so I'm not just asking for cars and toys, I'm, but I'm, I'm asking for the work that the Holy Spirit is doing. Okay, so I'm praying about that. But we still go, man, what about all those things? So the things that are relating to Jesus' mission. So maybe it's we, we pray that Jesus would help someone come to know him. Or we pray that um, Jesus would would help us in our character to grow and change so, so we could love people better. Or we pray that somebody else, that God would grow them and open their heart to him. Or, you know, even as a church, you know, we pray for a space or we pray for uh, leaders or we pray for, what, what about all the different things that still meet all the conditions and yet still don't happen? What about that? How does that all work? Because Jesus says the Holy Spirit is coming to help you. The Holy Spirit's coming to help you. And over and over and over again, he emphasizes, here's the connection between the help that I want to give you and between getting it. You ask for it. You pray. And I just know, man, we don't believe that. I mean, am I alone in that? Maybe it's just me. But I don't think we believe that because what would our prayer life look like if we did? I mean, we can come up with a thousand reasons why this isn't true. Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. But Jesus is really trying to make a point about it. Even the truly, truly. Like if you were to say to somebody, truly, truly, and then whatever you said after that, you wouldn't want them to go, oh, maybe he's serious, right? Truly, truly. Oh, this is probably not going to be that important, right? Jesus say, man, this is, I'm going to say it over and over and over again. But we don't believe it. If we're real, we don't believe it because there's so many questions around it. Like, why hasn't the prayer that I asked for gotten answered, even if it meets all these conditions, even if it's, if, even if it's about the help that Jesus says he comes to bring, to bring conviction about who he is and righteousness and, and all. Okay, so even if it's about that and I'm letting Jesus work. So, and, and what about this? Why does he want me to pray about it if he already knows what he's going to do? Or, or why does he want me to keep asking? You know, the Bible teaches that too. Don't just pray once, but keep asking. Why does he want me to do that? Like, that's weird. Like, if you came to me and, and, and you said, hey, man, I really need help. Can I get 50 bucks? And I said, maybe, but keep asking me for the next year and, and then we'll see what happens. You'd go, that's really weird. Just truly, truly, I'll give you whatever you ask of me, but... Just keep asking. You would go, this guy, is, I'm going to ask somebody else. Right? And so, I mean, isn't there all sorts of confusion about it? I mean, and, and maybe you go, I mean, we live in this kind of disequilibrium where we try not to think about it and we uh, cut it out. But, but the, at the end of the day, the truth is this. We don't believe it because we don't do it. Right? And maybe some of you are like, I do. Well, then that's great. I'm, praise God. But I think for most of us, we would have to go, is my life really match up with that statement that Jesus makes about the help that he comes to bring? Does it really match up with that? I know, I know for me personally, I was thinking about this a few months ago. I was taking some time to study and to think about kind of this year in our church. And I do that uh, pretty regularly. I try to do that four times a year. Get away for a week and really just plan and think and study and pray for our church. And this particular time, I was um, kind of studying some stuff about leadership and community, and, and I had a big giant stack of books I was planning on reading. 
and I was reading several, and then I was thinking, what would happen if I spent all this time praying instead of reading? I don't know. I just thought about that. Now, I think, man, Jesus has this mission he's called us to as a church, and he's called me just in my life to. And he has for all of us that if you're a Christian. And, and, I, and I go, man, okay, part of how we can accomplish that, part of how we can do that is I need to grow, I need to study, I need to learn. And the Bible says all sorts of stuff about that. That's not bad at all, okay? So for those of you who like to learn and study, man, that's absolutely good. There's a whole book in the Bible that's pretty much about that, about seeking wisdom. So that's great, but I just had this thought. What if I spent a whole week praying instead of a whole week reading and thinking and planning? I wonder what would happen. I just wonder. But we don't, I don't believe this. Isn't that true? Don't we not live our lives by that statement? Don't we not really take Jesus seriously when he says that? Because we have all sorts of reasons. All of us have unanswered prayers. If you're a Christian and you've been praying for any length of time, you have unanswered prayers. And again, even if we drop the, even if we add the conditions and we add the, it's about Jesus' mission, you still have people you've prayed for that you didn't see something happen. You still have asked for things that didn't turn out. You still had things that you thought Jesus was answering that prayer. You're like, man, I prayed for that job and I got the job. And then, and then they're like, actually, we changed our mind. Like, oh, I prayed for that guy or that girl to be my spouse, and, and then it was going great. And then they said, actually, I'm done with you. You're like, ah. Oh. So, I mean, we have unanswered prayers. We have prayers we thought were answered that then turned out, no, they're not answered. I'm healed. Oh, no, I'm not. So if we're serious, we don't take him serious. If we're real and honest, we go, okay, I've heard this before that Jesus says this, but at the end of the day, I don't really live my life like that because I can't believe that. Jesus says, I've got a lot of help that I want to do in your life. I've got a lot of help I want to do in your life. And the way that you get it, there's this direct connection between the, the help that we receive and the prayers that we give. There's a direct connection that Jesus is trying. You know, Jesus hasn't taught them about prayer at all in this book until now. He hasn't talked to them about prayer at all. And now he says, hey guys, I'm about to leave. And now I'm going to tell you, here's what I want you to do. Ask, ask, ask. He's really trying to drive it home. He's really trying to say there's help that can come into your life. But you got to ask. you got to pray. He's not talking about cash and cars and, and all that. He's talking about for his mission, for the conviction that he's trying to bring, for the help he's trying to give. So what do we do with all of the questions? What do we do with all the unanswered prayers? What do we do with all of that stuff? Here's the truth. I don't know. Because, I man, I've got plenty of unanswered prayers in my life. I don't know. But what I do know is Jesus is making a big point of this. And so especially this year for me, I've been just trying to obey him. Honestly, I don't get all, I don't get all of it. I don't know why God wants me to pray things if he already knows what he's going to do and even if that's how it works. I, don't, I especially don't get why he wants me to keep asking about things. Jesus doesn't talk about that here, but elsewhere he teaches. Don't just ask once, but just keep asking. And I'm like, I don't get that. I don't, I mean, honestly, I don't get it. 
But what I know and what I see is that, man, Jesus is empty. He is just like driving this home. And so for me, especially this year, it's just been an act of obedience to just go, look, Jesus, I don't get it all. But here's what you said. And so I'm just going to do it. You said to do it. I'm just going to do it. I'm going to keep asking. I'm going to pray about these things. I'm going to keep praying about these things. I believe that you have help that you want to give. I believe that there is conviction that you want to do. I believe there's mission that you want to see accomplished in this world. And the way that you say, the direct connection is pray, 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 pray. So I've gone, okay, I'm going to keep doing it. I'm just going to do it. And I'm just telling you, for me, this is like, um, I think it was, I think it was a year ago, like a year and a half ago, I preached um, a series on kind of the top questions people have about Christianity. And this was the last one. I think it was the last one. I don't remember, actually. Maybe it was the second to last. It was in there, somewhere in there, about prayer. And this would, like, I don't, I don't really wonder, like, about how, you know, science and God and does God exist, period, and why did Jesus have to die or the resurrection? Did it really? Ha- I don't wonder about that stuff. This is what I wonder about. But for me, especially reading this book, John, and looking at Jesus, the last three chapters, just saying, pray, pray. This is how I accomplish my mission. Here's how I do the help that you so desperately want in your life. Pray, pray, pray. I go, man, I can't read that. I can't read Jesus say that and go, yeah, but blah, blah, blah. I mean, in the same chapter that Jesus talks about loving people, that all of us try to take seriously if we're Christians, Jesus says, love people the way I've loved you. We go, yes, we'll do that. But the same chapter that he emphasizes this stuff, I mean, what if we did the same thing with love? We're like, well, you know, he didn't really mean to love people like that, and he meant... You know, we're not really the one that loves people. He's the one that loves people, so we don't really need to do it. It's just him that does it. I mean, no, that's not what Jesus is saying. He's saying, pray, pray, pray. I have help I want to give you, and there's a direct connection between that and you asking for it. So for me, it's just been, I'm just doing it. Even though I don't get it all, even though I don't understand it all, I'm just trying to do it. Just trying to obey him and listen to what he says to do. And I'll tell you this. I don't have any proof of this. I don't have a graph I can put up on here. I don't have, I don't have any proof. But I do believe and see in my life that when I pray about Jesus' work that he wants to do, about the help that he wants to bring, I see more things happen. And again, I don't have proof, and you can go, well, it would have happened anyway, and I can say that to myself. I mean, but all I know is that especially this year, that I've been trying to just take him at his word, that when I'm letting his words live in me, and I'm living in his love, and I'm praying about the help he wants to bring, and the mission he wants to do, that I've seen more things happen. And I know I can't prove it, I'm not, but I'm just telling you, man, if what Jesus has said is real, that's what we would expect to happen. Right? If what Jesus has said is true, that's what we would expect. So, practically, what does this mean for us, for you? I just want you to think about what would change if you knew that Jesus wanted to help you 
What would change in how you pray? What would change if you knew that Jesus really cared about people in your life that don't know him? What would change if you knew that really Jesus really did care about you seeing more clearly how good he is, like Jesus says the Holy Spirit comes to do? He, he really wanted you to see that. And he really wanted other people around you to see that. What would change about how you prayed if we really took him at his word? Who would you pray for? What would you pray for? Jesus talks about fruitfulness in our lives and, and the good things that come out of our lives when we're connected to him and people coming to know him and us actually getting to be a part of him do cool things around us what would you pray that he could do and would do through you all i can say is practically keep praying and I want to encourage those of you that are Christians, I want to encourage those of us, especially those of you that are members of this church, that really say, this is my home, and this is my family, and I want to be a part of what Jesus is doing. I want to encourage us, let's pray. Let's just make this a disciplined part of our life. There's a pastor, some of you know, that I respect, named John Piper, and he was teaching on this passage, and I'm just going to quote him here, because I think this is really good, and maybe some of us need to hear this. And he says this, the hard truth is that most Christians don't pray very much. They pray at meals, unless they're still stuck in the adolescent stage of calling good habits legalism. They whisper prayers before tough meetings. They say something brief as they crawl into bed, but very few set aside set times to pray alone. And fewer still think it is worth it to meet with others to pray. And we wonder why our faith is weak and our hope is feeble, and our passion for Christ is small. And then he talks about, well, is, are you saying it's a duty? Are you just calling it a duty? And he says, it's a duty the way it's the duty of a scuba dri a diver to put on his air tank before he goes underwater. It's a duty the way pilots listen to air traffic controllers. It's a duty the way soldiers in combat clean their rifles and load their guns. It's a duty the way hungry people eat food. It's a duty the way thirsty people drink water. It's a duty the way a deaf man puts in his hearing aid. It's a duty the way a diabetic takes his insulin. And I love this one. It's a duty the way Pooh Bear looks for honey. It's a duty the way pirates look for gold. So sometimes we have this objection of, oh, I don't want to make it a duty. And I don't, it's legalistic to set aside times. And he says, it's a, man, it's, all of those things are too. And that's, that's the kind of duty it is. If we really believe, Jesus will bring help through that. And then he says this, I hate the devil and the way he is killing some of you by persuading you it's legalistic to be as regular in your prayers as you are in your eating and sleeping and internet use. Do you not see what a sucker he is making out of you? He's laughing up his sleeve at how easy it is to deceive Christians about the importance of prayer. God has given us means of grace. If we do not use them to their fullest advantage, our complaints against him will not stick. He's saying God has given us things to help us. And if we don't use them, we can't complain. If we don't eat, we starve. If we don't drink, we get dehydrated. If we don't exercise a muscle, it atrophies. If we don't breathe, we suffocate. And just as there are physical means of life, there are spiritual means of grace. Resist the lies of the devil. So here's my encouragement and my plea to us. It's to pray. 
and to make that a disciplined part of our lives. To pray for Jesus' mission and the help that he wants to bring. And I, and I want to ask you guys to do something. And you can do it right now if you want, or you can do it uh, tomorrow or when you get home. But I want to ask us, as a, for those of you that are Christians, I want to ask us, let's write down three things that we're going to just commit to pray for. Somebody that we're going to commit to pray for. Somebody that needs the help that Jesus says he will bring. Somebody that needs to know how good Jesus is. That's the first one. Second one is this. For those of you that are in a community group, something for your community group. What does your community group need? What kind of help does your community group need to receive the help that Jesus says he brings? To make Jesus look good in you and through you. Something that you will pray for faithfully, weekly, daily, if you could. And third, something that you need. So somebody, something in your community group, and something you need. What do you need to be a part of what Jesus is doing? Do you need courage? Do you need to love people more? Do you need to see something more about Jesus that keeps you from doing what he calls you into? Do you need to have more grace? Do you need to believe more that you're righteous because of him and not because of these other things that, that then you live your life for and are distracted? What, what do you need to be a part of what Jesus is doing? So I just want to ask us to write down those three things. Write it down somewhere that you'll see regularly. Make a discipline. Make it a duty like Pooh Bear looking for honey. Sounds like a rap line to me, but. Make it a duty like Pooh Bear looking for honey. Jesus wants to help us. Last thing is this. What happens when we get this help? And I'll read this last part. I've said these things to you in figures of speech. The hour is coming when I will no longer speak to you in figures of speech, but will tell you plainly about the Father. In that day you will ask in my name, and I do not say to you that I will ask the Father on your behalf, for the Father himself loves you. He's saying, you don't have to ask me, and then I'll ask God. You don't need an intermediary. You don't need to pray to saints. You don't need to pray to, you don't need to, pray to family. You don't need to pray to even him. He says, you can talk directly to the Father, because he loves you. Isn't that cool? Because you have loved me and have believed that I came from God. I came from the Father and have come into the world. And now I'm leaving the world and going to the Father. His disciples said, ah, now you are speaking plainly and not using figurative speech. Now we know that you know all things and do not need anyone to question you. This is why we believe that you came from God. And Jesus answered them, do you now believe? Behold, the hour is coming. Indeed, it has come when you will be scattered, each to his own home, and will leave me alone. Yet I'm not alone, for the Father is with me. I've said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I've overcome the world. What happens when we get this help? Jesus mentions here peace. And he mentioned before joy. And here's what Jesus is saying. The Holy Spirit comes to help us. He wants to help us. And the way we get that help is through asking him to do things. And what happens when we see him do things is two things. We get joy. We get, we get joy because we go, man, I get to be a part of what he's doing. He's actually helping me, and I get to be a part of what he's doing. 
and in us, we get joy because we go, Holy Spirit, convict me. Help me see that you're better, Jesus. And, and he does it. And we go, man, I get joy. And we get peace. And Jesus says, look, in the world, it's going to be messed up. It's going to be all sorts of crazy things happening. Even before last week, we talked about Jesus. People are going to hate you. You're going to have all sorts of tribulation. You're going to have all sorts of suffering. The world's going to be messed up. But I come to give you peace. What happens when we get the help? We get peace. So, the Holy Spirit is given to us to help us. Jesus has a mission. He's got a mission, and the Holy Spirit has a mission. The Holy Spirit's mission is to show us how good Jesus is. That's his mission, if you want to just sum it up. His mission is to show us and to work through us to show others how good Jesus is. And when we take communion, we remember the apex of how good Jesus is. That he shed his blood and he had his body broken for you and for me. That way, we could be acceptable before God. That way, our sin of unbelief that Jesus talked about would be taken care of. That way, we would have direct access to God as our Father who loves us. That's what Jesus did. He's good. He's gracious. He's loving. And the Holy Spirit's job is to do that in us and to do that through us to show us, look how good he is, and then to have our lives become and have our community become a place where people see, look how good Jesus is. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you that we can talk with you directly, even as Jesus said. Thank you that we can ask you, and I, and I know that that's hard, God. God, we struggle to believe the words that you say. Jesus, we struggle to believe this. I just know that, and I confess that for myself and for us here, that, that we struggle to really believe this. And God, I just pray, help us. Help us to believe, or even if we don't believe, help us to just obey you. And I ask you, Father, that you would hear our prayers and answer them. God, show yourself to be true and trustworthy. Help us to obey you and to not give up in praying and not give up in asking just because we don't understand. Help us, God, to listen to you and obey you and to ask, God, I want the help that you say you bring. Jesus, you said it's to our advantage that you would go away. I want that to look and be and feel real, that we would go, man, it's so good that you're not here, Jesus because of all the cool stuff we get to see happen. I want that to be true. And so even just now, I ask you that you would do the things that you said you would do, that you would bring conviction in our hearts, even now in this moment, to help us see how good you are, that you would bring conviction in our hearts to help us know that, that we are not righteous apart from you, but that with you we have a secure standing, and to bring the conviction that leads us into good judgment. I ask you for that. Father, will you work in our lives and lead us to that truth? Help us to see how good you are, even now as we sing and as we take communion. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen.